0: We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, you beautiful souls, my fabulous friends. You know, I'm... Always honored to be connecting with you, and I enjoy so much this dance that we're having together. And you know, if you've listened to my show before, I've had the pleasure and privilege of interviewing many people that have profound spiritual awakenings after being in a coma or having a near-death experience. I've witnessed it transform atheists into believers and regular people into wise and powerful spiritual teachers. So what happens when an already prolific, conscious, and masterful man spends nine weeks in a coma? Well, that's what we're going to find out today. We are here with Don Miguel Ruiz. He is the international best-selling author of a series of books, including The Four Agreements, The Mastery of Love, The Voice of Knowledge, Prayers, and The Fifth Agreement. Don Miguel is the youngest of 13 children. He was born in rural Mexico to parents who were healers and practitioners of ancient Toltec traditions. As a young adult, he graduated from medical school in Mexico City and practiced neurosurgery with his older brother in Tijuana. A near-fatal car crash forever changed the direction of his life, causing him to leave medicine and examine the essential truth about life and humanity. With his mother's help and through his, their ancestral teachings, he discovered his own path to awareness, which evolved into a deep understanding of the physical world and the virtual world of the mind. Then, in 2002, Don Miguel Ruiz suffered a near-fatal heart attack that left him in a nine-week coma. With his body on a ventilator and seemingly unconscious, Don Miguel dreamed about the people, ideas, and events that shaped him. He also experienced remarkable insights into the nature of life and death, the energy of energy and mind. The profound experience is at the heart of his new book, The Toltec Art of Life and Death. Don Miguel shares a raw, real, and intimate glimpse into his own evolution and reveals deeper understandings of the ancient Toltec masters of awareness and transformation. So Don Miguel Ruiz, thank you for being here again on Journey to Center.
1: Well, like always, it's a big pleasure for this great opportunity that I can share my love with each
0: one of you. Oh, it's just thank you.
1: Wonderful.
0: I do feel that. You do have a really, really sweet and magnificent heart. Thank you. So, Don Miguel, you were very, very spiritual. You were already on your path and you've written some amazing books. And then you ended up having a heart attack and you were in a nine week coma. And it seemed very unlikely that you were going to come back into your physical form during this um, coma. How was that experience from you? Often people would think somebody in a coma is unconscious, but from reading your book, The Toltec Art of Life and Death, that wasn't the case.
1: Well, uh, I think it really is the case that I was unconscious, because a dream can can, can happen just in a few seconds, can happen in, in minutes, can happen before the, the, the body was completing coma, or can happen just before the brain away from the coma, but uh, like uh, we say a little before, uh, when you're dying, it's like a, the whole story of life is just in front of you, and this is exactly what happened just a little before I went into coma. I see the whole story of my life, knowing that it's just a story, and knowing that it's irrelevant. But I think that is so so important to, to share this dream because I focus my attention in in these uh, in, in uh, moments, these events that change the direction of my life, which is the significant event the encounters with the truth. Because like we said before, uh, the truth will uh, destroy those superstitions. And every time that the superstitions no longer exist that the, uh, the power that you invest in the creation of the superstitions it returns to you, the main character of the story and in a, in a very short time you are in complete control of your story, you become the real artist and you know that art, you know that it's beautiful, and you know that it's not real also and that is making even, even much better then when, when when you understand that, you also will understand that any secondary character of your story or any character in your story is just an extension of the main character, an extension of, let's say, let's say you, what identify you. But we may understand the creation of that main character in the moment when life is reflected in the neurons, which means in matter. Because as soon as you open your eyes, everything goes directly to you once again, which is the main character. Even that now you know that it's not exactly real. But when you understand what I just said, that everyone that you know, they're not real by a distinction of you, but it's a copy of what really exists. Which means that the whole story is based in reality, because it's true that you have your your parents, your beloved, your children, your friends, that events are happening outside outside of you. But as soon of all, uh, when all those images goes into your mind, being reflected by the brain, now they all of them they are extension of the one who is perceiving it. That in this case will be the main character. Then in this story. My mother is really Miguel. Lala, which is uh, uh, the whole belief system, is also Miguel Ruiz. Every ancestor is Miguel Ruiz. It's like the story of whoever is reading the book, they may understand that the parents that they believe they do, there's only images that that only exist in their mind, but they're based in the real parents that they have. And they only know what they believe about their parents because they really don't know their parents. And vice versa, your parents only know about them what they believe about them. Then we really don't know each other. And that's why it's so interesting to see how the attention helps us to communicate mind to mind, story to story. And this is how we communicate with the with the entire humanity, but also this is how we interact with ourselves because we can focus the attention in all our own beliefs. Like when the brain is sleeping, all, all those memories live in that dream, but it's never perceiving the outside light. But the attention is focused in those memories. And with the, with, uh, the reason we make it logical. When the brain is awake, that we perceive everything around us happening in this moment, and that we interact. But at a certain point, we don't put attention in anything. We start daydreaming. And in that daydreaming, we have all those memories, and our imagination is so powerful. We imagine things that doesn't exist, but only in our mind, only in our virtual reality. We can have millions of ideas. And when we are aware, if we focus the attention, we can make those ideas become real. We can manifest and create what a desired society like the one we're mm-hmm. we are living. You say we... Yes, go ahead.
0: No, this is a quote from your book that I think goes along with what you're saying a little bit. We can all externalize our biggest demons and we can scare ourselves with images of devils or ghouls, or we can look inward (laughs) and listen to the voice of knowledge that lives and speaks to us on a constant basis. And it is an act of self-love to pay attention to what we think and to modify that internal conversation.
1: Well, this is just just wonderful. And you know what is uh, interesting is that whoever reads the book, when they understand that story, and they start thinking about their own story, they can see that the conflict is the same, uh, the challenges are the same, and yes, the the characters will be different, the half-language will be different, religion will be different, but it's so similar. Seven billion humans, we have this very similar kind of mind. And of course, uh, in, in some people will be, will be more dramatic for, because whatever events are happening outside of them, because it's not the same let's see to to live and grow up in the United States where well, hardly there's anything happening, that uh, being in a place that is in constant war, that is uh, uh, violence all the time, et cetera, et cetera then you know the variation is so beautiful. You know in my imagination I can see like a, a field full of flowers, all kind of flowers. Mm-hmm. Everything different but all just colors, aromas, etc. When when you see from let's see from the outside the all the stories of humanity, they're just like all those flowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, is, is just a, the landscape is extremely beautiful. But of course, it, 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 in the individual, you focus your attention in your own drama. You focus your attention in the conflict that, that you're facing every single day. And you're facing the superstitions. And you see yourself defending those superstitions. You see your, yourself trying to impose your beliefs to other people, trying to control other people. And you can see Depending from people to try to control you. Mm-hmm. You, you, can, you can see the, the interaction of the entire humanity. But when you have that awareness, you understand why all of that. And you no longer believe it. And you get your inner peace. when you don't no longer have that conflict inside of you. Yes. And you respect your own creation. And then you can really enjoy the rest. Even that you know that... Perhaps you cannot change them, but you can share your experience. Yes, and you can give yourself because we you can say that uh, real love is really an equilibrium between gratitude and generosity. Mm-hmm. You know, we can we can be so grateful for receiving all what life is bringing to us in all the different directions through our family, through beloved, through our work, through whatever event is happening around. Yes. Life is always keeping us. And if we react with gratitude, we give even more than, than we receive. Yes, The door we, opens when, further When further. we give, when, when we give more, the people who receive from us, they awake, uh, the gratitude and they become generous also. And they give back, and this is how we're raised in love. Mm-hmm. In the other, in the other hand, if we are with selfish, when there's no gratitude and there's no generosity, then we have the scarcity of all of that, and we fall into the conditional love, and yeah. we're afraid to give, we're afraid to receive. Uh, well, we we can see that interaction. In, in any direction we face, it, we, we can see the interaction in everyone around us. Mm-hmm. And this is not that, it, it's not really our fault because we learned to be that way. We didn't do it on purpose and we practiced for so long that we mastered to love with conditions and we don't even notice. And when we true. have the awareness, everything may change.
0: It's true. And something you write about towards the end of your book, Don Miguel, that I love, that really, I think, distills this down to the very basic notion. Are you a fly or a bee? (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk about that? I thought that really just distilled it down so clearly. Are you a fly or are you a bee?
1: Well, this is about the interaction that we have with everybody else, Mm -hmm. knowing that that uh, we interact with conditional love, and, and we try to impose our will and defend it from others to impose our will. Then it's, it's a, a metaphor that I used with my apprentices, and I asked them, okay, are you a fly or you're a bee? If you're a fly, the fly looks for garbage, and of course looks for honey also but a bee bee doesn't go for for, for garbage, just go for honey. And if you're a fly, you're looking for both, but you really go for for the garbage. On the other hand, you can act like honey or you can uh, act as poo or, or a dirt. And if you act as a honey, you will attract bees and flies. But if you act as food, you only will attract the flies, not the the bees.
0: Not the bees. Uh Uh-huh. So something else you say, what do you feed yourself? Are you good to your human? Most people take better care of their dogs or their animals than they do themselves. What do you think? What do you feed yourself on? So that is so, I think, true and clear. And I used to be a fly. I did. I was a fly, but now I am a bee. I do take good care of my human, and I do love other people, and I think I'm more discerning about who are the real bees, and I have so many good bees in my life.
1: Oh, definitely. You know, (laughs) once you act like honey, you don't want flies in your life. You only want bees.
0: Yeah, and I didn't, I, you know, I guess when I was a fly trying to be a bee... (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't be discerning about who was really sweet and who was just acting sweet. And I feel now that I I can see much more clearly because I am in this place of self-love and self-respect. And so now I trust myself. And I think what you say is once you get to this place, the reward of life is fun.
1: Yes, let's see, like when you are a fly, you're comfortable with the poor. And when you go into honey, you feel that you owe your life to that honey because you don't see yourself as a bee. Mm-hmm. And if you become a bee, now you deserve the honey. But in the life, you feel that you don't deserve the honey and then you feel jealousy, you feel possessive, you try to mm-hmm. defend that honey because mm-hmm. you are a bee. But this, the bee, you deserve the the, the the honey, of course, and you never will go to the pool. Mm-hmm. And that's what will make a difference between the fly and the bee. The fly wants to go for both. And when it's accepted by honey, they feel the guilt, the shame, but also feel the, 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 the possessiveness, the jealousy, because maybe the, the honey don't want the, the fly but this is because they consider themselves a fly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you are the bee, you definitely, you don't go for the poo.
0: Yeah, no poo for
1: me. For the <laughs> exactly. Now you're a fly. And if you are, if you behave like a honey, you attract both, both. And if you attract, attract, uh, attract uh, uh, a fly, just be aware that the fly will try to, to, to change into poor and not to see you as a honey.
0: Yeah, I like honey better. I like flowers and honey and beauty. And, and <laughs> uh, people say, why do miracles follow you? How did you get Don Miguel <laughs> Ruiz on your um, show? How come you always win the raffle? I said, because I'm a honeybee. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's it, that's the answer.
0: It is. I just live love and it life feels so much better from this perspective.
1: Well, it's, it's, you are love.
0: I am. And I finally believe that and I accept that. Yeah. And, and I feel I'm living more um, unconditional love in my life because I am good to me. I like me. I know what I am and it's God's child and so are you. And so is everyone that we connect with every day. They just may not know it.
1: Yes, and you, you love yourself without conditions. You just that's love true. yourself just the way you are. And enjoy it. That's, that's, that's wonderful.
0: Enjoy it. We're supposed to enjoy yes. the journey, right?
1: Yes. It's like a, what I say also in the book either you're happy or you're stupid.
0: <laughs> I choose happy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> And and if you see yourself acting stupidly, as soon as you're aware, you change right away. And you laugh about yourself for what you just did. You don't judge yourself.
0: No, I think I'm funny. I'm dorky. I'm quirky. I'm clumsy. But I think I'm cute, too. I'm very cute. (laughs) I'm (laughs) well-intentioned.
1: Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it.
0: No, you got to have fun. You got to be able to laugh at yourself and enjoy it.
1: Oh, definitely. You know, it's just great to be you.
0: No, not anymore. It's taken me a long time, but I really do kind of like me now. And and I want that for everybody. I mean, can you imagine how wonderful the world would be if everybody just liked themselves?
1: Well, everything will change.
0: Everything will and change.
1: And we are in that duration, but uh, it will take time. A lot of time. But,
0: well, you're but doing it and I'm doing it, so I feel it must be happening.
1: <laughs> well, it is happening. It is happening.
0: It's happening. So, Don Miguel, I'm just really curious. How do you feel that you are different before and after your coma? Did you just go deeper into love? How would you explain or describe that?
1: Well, what is different is my physical body.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, my story is, uh, is, is only changing the, in the reactions I have with the uh, things that are happening. But coming coming back in my physical body, I find out that my physical body is already very damaged. And my, uh, the capacity of my heart is only this, it was only the sixteen percent, which is uh, not enough blood for, for the for the entire body, but enough blood only for the brain, for the heart, and for the lungs. That is the most important part in the physical body. Which means that the rest of the body uh, was suffering uh, problems with digestion, with uh, pain in the muscles that change all the time, mm-hmm. uh, some problems with the memory, etc., uh, being tired all the time. But um, but that's that's the way it is, and, and it's fine. And for me, for me, well, it, it was not really a big challenge because I adapt right away to the conditions of my physical body, mm-hmm. and I start helping. Uh, as soon as, uh, as I could to relearn to use the physical body I had to, to kind of relearn to speak again because I, I come back without a voice and uh, to to teach my body to coordinate because it was no coordination I, I hardly can walk I had to kind of relearn to walk mm-hmm. and it took like a uh, a, a few like a, maybe a couple of months that that my body can, can handle itself. And, uh-huh. But uh, it, it, it's about accepting just the way I am, instead of judging or feel that, uh, that uh, people have to to help me or whatever. No, people help me because they want to help me, not right. because they have to. And, and it is, it's not a compromise that anybody has with me, no. Of course, I accept help at that time, and... It really it was great, but they see my gratitude, and with yes. my gratitude, they even give more It yes. was a pleasure for them to help me they was I have even a a big line of people that uh, that want to come to help me, and they start taking turns to 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 stay with me until I was okay.
0: yeah, well, you do Thank have you. such a uh-huh. sweet and gracious heart. I can imagine that you did have a lot of people. I would want to help you. <laughs> <laughs> I want you. to do whatever I can for you. you, and I'm so glad you came back. I mean, I don't think planet Earth was done with you. We needed a little more Don Miguel, a little more of your wisdom, a little more of your love. I think the world needs you, so I'm so glad you're still here.
1: Well, thank you. And as soon as I came back and I speak with my doctors, my doctors huh? told me, uh, well, truth that my heart capacity is very reduced and that perhaps I can live more uh, Maybe uh, maybe one year he didn't think that I was survive more than one year and, yeah. and, and he told me that I have to change the way I live my life, of course, mm-hmm. that I have to stay in a sofa, read a books, watching t v or casually go out for dinner or something that i that I have to change the way of life of course, i didn't say anything to him, but as soon mm-hmm. as I was at home I, when I talked to my children. I told them, there is no way that I will be at home waiting for death. I will do what I always do, enjoy my life. and keep sharing, keep giving. And I look for for death, not wait for death to come to me. Mm -hmm. And and everything I was putting, my whole will. And very soon I was teaching again. I started traveling again. I started having pyramids again. And... I, I didn't live less than one year, as the doctor says. I live eight and a half years more until, in 2010, I have a heart transplant. Oh, I and
0: didn't with know a that.
1: Heart, it, it, with a new heart, I was able to travel around the world again. Then yeah. I've been oh, oh, all all around the world and just beautiful in different countries. It was it, it was so beautiful. Wow! Then I have already five years with
0: a new heart. I did not know that. Don Miguel, oh, there's the- so much to you. I feel like I could talk to you for many more hours. I can't believe our time is almost over. I'm so sad. But grateful, I, very no, grateful. Well, <laughs> so Don Miguel, how do people get more of you? I know you have a website with a lot of activity with your children. How can people get in touch with you?
1: Well, they, they, they find whatever I'm doing at in in, in my website. and Many times I do things with my children. Uh, with Jose and Miguel, I, sometimes I go to the pyramid, and I, I, I do some lectures right now, um, presenting this this beautiful book, and I'm working on the next one that is getting maybe ready for by the by the middle of next year, and maybe we will we'll be published by by the the spring of 1917, perhaps, but I'm not sure yet. That will be my publisher who will decide that. But I keep going. I keep going, and people will find me. They want to find me, they will. So
0: grateful. So grateful. So, yes, if you want to visit his website, it's Miguel Ruaz, www.miguel.com. R-U-I-Z to get more of this magical man. I can't get enough myself and I hope to have him back again soon. So thank you to my listeners. If you want to be in touch with me, Tammy B. PhD, I always want to hear from you. This is about connection from the heart and we are so grateful for you. God bless you. Thank you, Don Miguel. Thank you, my listeners. Thank you, Remy. Onward and upward. Bye for now.